At Design Centre Chelsea Harbour, it's never been easier to discover what's happening in the world of design. Head to SW10 and you can browse 600 of the world's most prestigious brands in 120 showrooms, all under one roof. And it's not just for the professionals. If you need help and advice, there's a concierge desk and even a personal shopping service. I was standing there staring at it, I was like, if you chop off all those flowers and we paint it teal, and then maybe we could knit it. And everyone was like, <laughs> um... <laughs> and, it, you know, even while Charlie and I were sitting there late at night weaving bits of fabric through that baluster, I kept standing back thinking, God, I'm not sure if this is one of those really good ideas or one of those really bad ideas. Hello, I'm Carol Annett from Country and Townhouse magazine. Welcome to the House Guest podcast, where I chat with experts from the world of interior design and decoration, the people behind the houses and hotels you see in glossy magazines like ours. Some of the names will be familiar and others may be less so, but I'm sure you'll recognize the hotels and restaurants they've designed. And if you're in the middle of your own building project or restyle, maybe you'll pick up some tips for yourself. If you listen on the Entail app, there's more information and images on the projects and places mentioned. Today I'm with Sophie Ashby, a scarily talented young interior designer whose urban eclectic style has rocketed her into the big time. Sophie, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And thank you for um, letting us come and invade your studio on Labrook Grove. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's quite an interesting room, actually, for a shell. I mean, the building, it's a, is it an old stu- television studio or something? I don't know what the what was here before, but this building is about four years old, so it's a brand new building, and yeah, we were one of the first people to move in. And they've turned it into units. And they've turned it into units. Yes, yeah, so it's it's a workspace building, and they rent units out to various businesses, and um, it works if you're a young business and you're kind of growing because. Um, if you're going in the right direction, they like you. If you're accumulating space rather than decreasing, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, we we have our studio next door, and then we decided to take on this extra unit as our meeting room. And you, so you started the studio five years ago. Yeah, which was, I mean, how old were you then? Twenty five. That's quite an undertaking. Mm. What did you know what you were doing? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I definitely did not. And it was one of those moments where sort of my life was in a sort of state of disarray. Like I had, you know, just broken up with a long-term boyfriend, was consequently homeless, had, had done the dramatic haircut and chopped all my hair off, quit my job, um, and just decided that everything needed to change. And um, it all just started with one one project, really, Um some guys wanted me to dress a townhouse off Trafalgar Square for them through a connection of my own actually for the first time ever I had managed to produce a potential client and um, my my boss didn't want to do it because the the budget was too small for us and they I think like to think that they saw a a diamond in the rough and um, you know they they set me on my path in my career but I think they just got a really good bargain basically (laughs) And so I took it on as my first project, thinking that if I do nothing but this for a year, I'm no worse off than I was on my old salary in my old company. So yeah, that's kind of how it started, essentially without too much thought and certainly no business plan, no savings, no clue what I was doing. Amazing. 
and but you always so you trained at you have a you have a history an art history degree yeah and trained in in art history so that's kind of where you came from but you also did you were at Parsons yeah yeah exactly so I was um like many interior designers the sort of really arty one at school and was always in the art department and then thought I might study fine art at university and then was was very creative but was kind of also quite keen on making a few beans and like not being a struggling penniless artist for too long felt very um strongly that I wanted to be independent and make make some money and um so sort of switched to a history of art degree which I absolutely loved and um, my mum was actually studying sculpture at the time, her doing a degree herself. Um, Is she South African? Yeah, she's South African, okay. yeah. And, um, yeah, there's, there was a lot of art chat going on in our house at the time. And um, during one of my summers at university, I, I went to Parsons and did an interior design course, and that's where I really realised that I had found the perfect combination of all the things I was interested in. And you've said in the past, we don't do bling, uber luxe, or anything over fancy. Mm. And I think when you look on your website, what strikes me is that they, there's, they're very, there's a very fresh feel to what you do, um, but it's not twee. There's quite there's a chunkiness about it, mm. quite chunky bits of furniture. Butch. And, yeah, well, <laughs> that's what I call it. Do you? Yeah. No, well, that's quite, I mean, that's a great word, um, but it is, it's, and it, it is very different from, I mean, it looks supremely comfortable, but it's also very different to other th- places that you see. Mm. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's funny. My style just sort of evolved. I think the first time, my first job, I worked for this wonderful interior designer called Victoria Fairfax, who was very traditional and classical in her style and detailing. And I learned so much about colour and antiques and um, so many things. But it's, it's, a, it's a world away from what I'm doing now. And it was in the gap between Victoria Fairfax and Studio Ashby, where I worked at this company um, that... Uh, it was called Spring in Mercer um, and I was essentially just given freedom and my bosses trusted me to like kind of work out w- what my style was and I had there were things that were influencing me and um, but it, it's evolved I, I, we've just finished a project um, in Covent Garden this this really lovely penthouse and I was just standing in there the other day looking at it thinking we've we have evolved and my kind of patter about what we're all about has sort of changed in the last five years as well we've kind of grown up you can't just do the same thing the whole time mm. um but there are these key underlying things that I care about which which are, are a constant threat and and what you were talking about I think is a sort of I think of us as doing using quite masculine lines and quite strong shapes and furniture. I don't like anything too feminine or twee, as you say, in terms of I'm not good on like a flick of a leg on a chair or something like that. I like everything to be quite strong and straight and um, have real presence. But then in terms of my colours and textures, they're quite feminine. So I think it's the mixture of those two things. Um, I don't like overdoing it. I think... um, it's, la- it's about restraint as well, which is hard to practice because 
I love so many things. Like as you can see in here, it's just full of bits and bobs. And when you when you like so many things and you love so many patterns and you know, we're not one of those studios that's reduced to working within a certain colour palette or a certain set of materials. Sort of anything is on the table. Um, so when you get excited by so many things, it's it's more of a lesson in restraint and just letting yourself think about the layering of each thing on top of each other and essentially making sure that I, what I'm always thinking is is the thing that's next to that material, that piece, the opposite of that piece. For me, it's about putting opposites next to each other. I was thinking of uh, Nicky Haslam then, because I, I interviewed him once at his house in Hampshire, and he and I said, but you know, Nicky, it must be so hard when you're editing to know when when to stop. And he went, oh, good God, darling, you never stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose that's what you're talking about, but you're your interiors are very much that you you almost stop before you go too far yeah whereas his is a very different style yes yeah I think ultimately you know it just needs to be calming and comfortable I, I the space is I think you know it comes from my own my own reaction to space I need a space that I'm in to ultimately be calm and comfortable and so um you know we're not one for doing like crazy uncomfortable chairs or so often we find beautiful things or beautiful pieces of furniture and we just there's that scrutiny of like yeah but would you actually want to sit on that dining chair or that armchair something for you know settle in for a long time and ultimately um you know the spaces that we live in are there to kind of enhance and be a backdrop as well to the activities that we're doing in that space and I don't like for a long period of time, i.e. in my home or someone, a client's home, I don't think it's it feels good somehow to be in quite an intense space all the time. When you're in a hotel or a restaurant, um, absolutely, that's exactly what you want because you want to be transported to a different world and a different experience. Mm. But I think when you're at home, ultimately you need a level of kind of quiet and calmness and even though we play lots with pattern and colour I think it does have a sort of serenity to it. Your own home it was in Television Centre is that right the old White City building? Yeah. Have you done other spaces in there as well as your own? No I haven't place? actually yeah no haven't been asked. <laughs> but that must have been quite a difficult um I mean because they really are boxy mm. they was they were studios the yeah. whole place was studios wasn't it I mean the flat that we bought there is so small it's 54 square meters I bought it off plan um now probably about four years ago because um I'd only had my business for a year and I'd saved a bit of money made a bit of money and saved a bit of money not enough to buy what I wanted but I also didn't, I wasn't able to get a mortgage because I only had one year of my own business accounts. Because you're a babe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of sort of accidentally stumbled into the situation where I realised that if you did buy in a development off plan, which is so not my style, in, yeah. I mean, I don't love... Terrifying. Yeah, I don't love... Um, yes, yeah, terrifying to, to not know exactly what you're buying and walk around it and feel it, but also... You know, I had never imagined in a million years I'd buy a, a new a new development, and the and the reason that Television Centre appealed to me is because it kind of isn't a new development. And the yeah. Helios building that I wanted to be in and we bought our flat in, 
is old and has all of these interesting features and stuff. But fast forward to the day that I got the keys, kind of three and a half years later, I walked in and burst into tears. <laughs> Couldn't believe how small it was. And, um, you know, spaces when they're empty um, feel smaller than they are, but also... Uh, sort of the 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 speck of like the white walls and the grey floor and it was so cold and oh my god I was just like what have I done anyway so five thousand pieces of art and bits and bobs later and it <laughs> felt kind of homely but but then I suppose it gives you a real insight into a lot of the apartments that presumably you are yeah. working with where which are cold blank spaces exactly and it's sort of it's it's really interesting as as the types of projects evolve that we're doing um, you know the brief really changes and we've done so many lovely apartments in London in developments whether for private clients or developers and now I've done my own in television centre and I think what I've realised is that those spaces those boxy cold spaces which are ultimately just loads of glazing and some structure and some metal and you know they're not spaces which unless they've got astonishing views which many of them do you know they don't um architecturally once you're inside those buildings they don't feel particularly sort of heartwarming um and i think therefore the interiors need to try quite hard to add all of that character and personality into what we're doing and so it's in those projects where we really go for it and we use you know funky shaped headboards and wallpaper and loads of art and color and pattern and all sorts of stuff going on so that essentially we're we're creating interest in those relatively uninteresting bland spaces when we get an amazing heritage property in the countryside or a giant georgian villa or an arts and crafts edwardian list you know you just don't need to do as much because the framework of what you're working with is so strong on its own. You know, it's, it's the interiors, I think, in those situations can be a bit quieter. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's actually really changing as well what we do dependent on, you know, obviously what kind of property it is and where it is. But I'm, I'm learning that you don't need to do so much when, it's, um, when it kind of can stand up on its own a bit better. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. So now you are married... I am. To lovely yes. Charlie. Yeah. And he's a designer. Yeah. And he has a shop, Charles, Charlie Casely Hayford, next to Chilton Firehouse. Yeah. And when I went there with you, what struck me, because you've done the interiors to the shop, mm. and there were you've used the most gorgeous textures and and I remember you saying to me, Oh yes, well we had lot he had lots of sort of offcuts of fabric so I decided to put them on the wall yeah and then you, there was a banister where you had started weaving <laughs> yes. which you actually said you regretted starting, yeah. starting we still haven't finished taken, it yeah <laughs> it's taken so much time but it's um we'll put an image up on on entail because it, this banister it's such a simple idea but it's so clever of just instead of balustrades um, or sticks you've just woven all these pieces of fabric together and it just looks stunning but I thought that was a very interesting concept because it's all about the changing idea of retail and retail environment. And you, you've created a very homely atmosphere in his showroom. Mm. Yeah, we wanted to do that, and we we we've 
planned it and thought long and hard about it for a good couple of years before it actually happened. And we did all these reckeys around shops and we walked up Sloane Street or whatever it is with all the fancy shops on. And we were trying to work out what it means to have a luxury boutique. And it was so repetitively various shades of marble and whether you've gone for chrome or brass was the big decision, basically. (laughs) And, you know, they are beautiful spaces, but it was so repetitive. I couldn't believe that um, when you actually sort of scrutinise it, that's what's going on. I do think things are changing. And, for example, I went to the Loewe store on Bond Street the other day, which has just opened, which is exquisite and totally not like that. And it's all about craftsmanship and beautiful materials, and it's kind of redefining that retail experience as well. So it was actually wonderful to see that, because in my head I was like, okay, cool, we were, like, onto something which makes sense for other people too. (laughs) but yeah, we just wanted to create something. It's, it's an intimate experience going to have something made for yourself, whether it's a suit or a jumpsuit or a bomber jacket or all of the cool things that Charlie does. But, you know, the appointments are up to kind of two hours long. It's very intimate. Um, we wanted somewhere where people just felt really comfortable and at ease and at, at home. So um, we just decided to create an extension of our home in our little universe and fill it with things that we we like and um charlie and i sort of like grossly um ridiculous how much we sort of agree on stuff it's sort of sickeningly perfect that we have (laughs) we have totally aligned ideas about what we like when, when it comes to um art and interiors and stuff either that or charlie is too terrified of telling me that he hates something but um yeah the shop was really really fun and um there so much of it was you know we were on a budget we were we were trying to be clever with the materials that we used and that staircase is one of those things which the it was the existing banister it used to be gold and have these big metal flowers on it and it was kind of it was a bridal boutique before so it's super feminine and we got a quote to replace the banister with a sort of standard metal upright rod thing and it was thousands and thousands to do that and so I was standing there staring at it I was like if you chop off all those flowers and we paint it teal and then maybe we could knit it and everyone was like (laughs) um (laughs) and you know even while Charlie and I were sitting there late at night weaving bits of fabric through that baluster I kept standing back thinking god I'm not sure if this is one of those really good ideas or one of those really (laughs) bad ideas and I still wasn't really sure until people started seeing it and they're like wow what have you done to that baluster I was like, well, we knitted it, um, you know. Can we talk a little bit about your heritage? And Because just looking around the room here, I mean, there are quite African textures and colours. And do you, do you feel very much that that's, that is part of who you are and what comes through and what you do? I do, yeah. I mean... So my mum is from Cape Town and we grew up for a time in Cape Town as well. I came back when I was um, 12. So it's definitely, you know, for anyone who has been lucky enough to spend a bit of time, particularly in South Africa and Southern Africa, it's one of those places which really gets into your blood. And I think um, it's, it's a bit addictive and I've now got this habit of going back kind of at least every year and trying to trying to go on safari or trying to just spend some time in Cape Town. I find it such an inspiring place. Um, 
it's so far behind London in many ways in terms of what's possible. I think it's actually more the spirit of Cape Town that inspires me. You know, it's hard in London to start a business or, you know, have an idea and make it happen. The, you know, I'm desperate to open a shop and do product and stuff like that, but it's not easy. It's, it's mm. so expensive. The rents, the rates are so expensive. You know, you're just up against it everywhere you go. The competition's high and. It's not really like that in Cape Town. Everything is kind of easier. And if you if you have an idea and, you know, can pull some people together and collaborate and every time I go back, a bunch of new galleries, cool cafes and hotels and concept stores and stuff have sprung up because it's just there's less of it and it's they're further behind and so it's it's kind of that got that real really exciting kind of startup mentality. So it is the fact, you know, the art. I lo- I'm a c- collector of contemporary African art, and I love the colours of Africa. But it's actually more than anything. It for me, it's like the feeling that the the high that I get from being there. A couple of weeks hanging out in Cape Town with 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 my girlfriend, who I'm who I'm still best friends with from when we were at school together when I was twelve. Um, driving around and just taking it all in and feeling sort of buzzing off her excitement and zest for life and ability to just like make things happen when I come back here I'm like just do it just try because Mm. that's kind of the mentality of everyone there and what you did a little um literally a little hotel there it's called the little the Robertson Small the Robertson Small (laughs) (laughs) yeah did that um was that through um a friend or was yeah, so that's actually th- through the friend I was talking about. Oh, so, nice. um, is that in Cape Town? It's in it's an area called Robertson, which is about two hours outside of Cape Town, and it's sort of deep into the wine region. So it was a boutique hotel, ten bedrooms, um, and it was a refurbishment. So it was an existing hotel that her family um, owned and started, and it's a lovely story. And um, so her dad. Um, was a, an amazing entrep- entrepreneur and had a wine farm in Robertson but it was a bit of a sleepy town and there was nowhere to stay so it started with him sort of buying this cute little Victorian house in the middle of the town um, and turning it into a sort of guest house and then Robertson as a place took off and he expanded it and it ran very well and quite successfully as a hotel for sort of six or seven years or something but it just got tired and um, Abby, my friend who who's his daughter um sadly he passed away quite young and so it was left to her and her brother to take charge of all of these wonderful businesses that he'd so cleverly started from nothing and um she was a bit intimidated i think about how to how how to renovate a hotel and she knew what she wanted to do and her and i just do nothing but chat about beautiful things and art and interiors and we go on these holidays together, just the two of us, where we go and just soak up wh- wherever we are. So we just, w- we worked together on it, and it was it was like just one of those life's great pleasures. It meant I got to go back there a lot, and we set ourselves the challenge of doing it 100% locally, so... Oh, nice. It was, um, I was the only thing that came in on an aeroplane. <laughs> <laughs> um, and everything else we, we, we found and had made by makers in South Africa, which was a real challenge because they are a bit behind us in terms of their off-the-shelf product and trends take a few years to catch on and stuff like that. So 
everything became a collaboration with someone and we were kind of working together on new things. I wasn't able to buy much just off the shelf, as it were. Mm. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was so cool. And I wanted it to be, you know, it is a hotel and it is in South Africa, but I didn't want it to feel African. I wanted it to feel contemporary and mm. in the right and you know in the way that if you opened a hotel in London it wouldn't just be a great big ode to Britain and everything covered in you know I don't know Prince of Wales check or something like that and Chesterfield you know that's a pastiche of that idea so in South Africa it was about creating a contemporary hotel for um, which happened to be in South Africa taking inspiration from all of the contemporary designers and makers and stuff and um, yeah it was just really fun oh lovely um you are it's funny how you sort of talking about fashion but you are um you say that you're unswayed by fashion which actually is is there you know there's an irony there but seeing as you're married to a fashion designer <laughs> yes i think he'd say the same <laughs> but that's just one of those things it's you know you're happy to sort of see what know the trends but they're not they're not gonna yeah I think it's it's for the most part actually in our studio anyway it's a case of identifying the trends being aware of what they are and then stepping away from them Mm. because you know step away from the trend step away from the trend (laughs) even and you know your gut visceral reaction to stuff or a cool lamp or something which is so you know maybe I don't know it's made of resin or it's got some brass on it and a bit of marble or something and it's hitting all those trends that you see all the time but it's actually and we have the we sort of have to let them just like go past us because by definition they are transient things and especially when you're working a few years in advance on a big project you know it's the sort of death of the designer I think to start incorporating all of those because by the time you finish your project it's all it's all over anyway so and Charlie feels the same about you know he doesn't do um the sort of catwalk collections every year anymore for the seasons he's working his business has, has changed so much um and I think he is about sort of modern tailoring, which again isn't about what's in fashion and you don't go into Casely Hayford and suddenly find a trench coat in PVC or something like that. You find it in a beautiful fabric, which is beautifully made and it's going to last you a really long time. So both of us are sort of aware of them enough to know whether we're falling into a trap, basically. And why do you think people do come to Studio Ashby? I think it's a combination of things. I think it's people like, you know, I'm not a dictator. I'm not a diva dictator. We work really collaboratively with our clients. And, you know, I'm not going to shove my opinions and insist on things going through. That's kind of an old school way of doing things. I think I'm, I'm, you know, it's just not my personality. I'm just kind of more friendly and easygoing. But ultimately just want to work with really lovely people, you know, we choose our clients basically based on whether they're nice or not because um, <laughs> it's ages that you have to hang out with them and work with them and a meeting every week or every fortnight with someone who's unpleasant or impossible to deal with is no fun. And, you know, I've, I'm lucky that I've chosen a profession which means that I basically do have fun and everyone in the studio next door is here because they love interior design, so try very hard to not get ourselves into situations where it becomes unfun um, and a lot of that comes from working well with our clients and you can you are turning 
jobs down. Yes, yeah, we are. I mean, it's kind of difficult to work out what the hell is the right thing to do. We've grown pretty steadily over the last five years. How many are Um, you now? We're 14 now. And I don't really have any more brain space to take on any more... You know, if I have to try and memorise one more bedroom scheme, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pop. So until we, until we kind of develop and grow up even more as a company and have a better senior management structure, I, I am at sort of full capacity in terms of what I can handle and manage. And all of our clients want to talk to me and want, and I, I want to talk to them and I want to be in all of the meetings and things. And so. Yeah, we've. This is a sort of happy point for now. I've got no real ambition of becoming that much bigger than where we are. Well, I know you are super busy, so we're really, really grateful that you've taken the time to talk to us. And I know that you're off to Tokyo soon, or to to Japan for a holiday. So it would be fascinating to see how you're influenced by. Mm, I am so excited. I mean, I can't even imagine the things that we're going to see. And we're going to um, Kanazawa, which is like this sort of craft focused area and we're going on sort of indigo indigo dyeing workshop tours and ceramicist studios and oh my gosh I'm so excited (laughs) (laughs) well I hope you have the most amazing time thank you thank you so much for having me Thanks for listening to House Guests from Country and Townhouse magazine with me, Carol Annett. Don't forget to subscribe to the series on iTunes or Entail, where you can also find images, links and notes to enhance each episode. In the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram at Carol W. Annett. And keep up to date on all the podcast news and show notes online at countryandtownhouse.co.uk slash podcast. Please do join me next week when I'm chatting kitchen design with Plain English's design director, Merlin Wright. And please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe.